0: This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review Sweet Relief, a benefit for Victoria Williams. Yeah, that's pretty much what I would expect from them to do on a song like this.
1: I just don't like the read. I don't like Bob Dylan either. Yeah, it sounds very cheap, sounds very distant. This is the best Soul Asylum song they didn't write. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host Tim Minnichi and joining me for episode one. 5-1 of season 3 it's Mr. Jason Ziak back for the attack Jay we are on uh, we are wrapping up we're in the last five episodes of our third season we covered earlier this year some uh, we utilized some Facebook polls to cover some uh, some compilation albums and uh, tribute albums and this week we are doing a benefit album. A little bit different. A little bit different take on the on the, the comp album, Jay. How was that? Well we we did a soundtrack. That was our first I guess you'd say our first compilation was a soundtrack. And then we did the second compilation, which was the Depeche Mode tribute album. Mm. And then this one is a tribute album. Uh, But it's a tribute for a benefit. And so a little bit, you know, a different take. So it's all songs by the, for uh, all of the songs recorded in the spirit of uh, creating a a benefit for a particular cause. In this particular case, it's the Sweet Relief uh, benefit, which was formed, uh, it's the Sweet Relief Fund. It was formed in... uh, early 90s, and this album came out in 93 to benefit uh, Victoria Williams, who was a, a singer-songwriter in the late 80s and, and throughout the 90s and 2000s um, who was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And she didn't have health insurance to help cover the cost of the you know various treatments and medications. So this was set up, this particular album was set up in order to help uh, pay for that and that which led to the creation of the sweet relief fund and there's been uh additional albums released since then and and some one was uh sweet relief 2 which is called the gravity of the situation was a, a variety of bands covering vic chestnut songs to benefit vic chestnut that was sort of my that was i kind of get into the history of this but didn't mean to so there you go that's the yeah, history just... of
0: just wanted you to you'd explain the benefit part, but yeah. kind of just ran with it there.
1: I kind of did, yeah. Victoria Williams, uh, I'll give you a brief, since the album is a benefit for her. She's from uh Shreveport, Louisiana, bo- or born in Shreveport, Louisiana in uh, 1958, and um, singer songwriter, uh, but has lived uh, in Southern California for most of her career. Um, released her first album in 1987, Happy Come Home. And has released uh, albums since then, Swing the Statue in 1990, Loose in 1994, a live album This Moment in Toronto with the Loose Band in 1995, Musings of a Creek Creek Dipper in 1998, Water to Drink in 2000, and Sing Some Old Songs in 2002. And then she was married to uh, the artist Peter Case. Uh, They divorced, and then she was married to Mark Olson from the Jayhawks, and with mark olson they formed the original harmony creek dippers which was after mark olson left the uh, jayhawks and they performed uh, under that name and then also under some other names with the basically the same um artist uh but it was mark olson's creek dippers and, and various incarnations based on i guess who was playing in the band um and then mark olson and victoria williams divorced So that stopped happening in terms of their collaboration. So that's the sort of the background on on Victoria Williams. So, and of course, um, anytime we can tie things to Mark Lanigan, uh, we do. Uh, In 2009, she began working on a new record with Isabel Campbell, who of course has recorded uh, multiple albums with Mark Lanigan. So there is our Mark Lanigan moment.
0: he's like the um, Kevin Bacon of 90s
1: he is kind of were you familiar with this particular record before we get into the review of it
0: Uh, I remember a couple of these songs Um, I suppose they must have been played on radio because I definitely knew a couple of them I am not familiar with Victoria Williams so other than you know I remember remember when this record came out I remember a couple of the songs I remember her name being mentioned but that's about Mm -hmm. it
1: yeah, and I, I'm I was sort of in the same boat. So this came out in '93, which, you know, Pearl Jam is probably the best known band that's on this record for the time. Obviously, Ten had already been released, and Versus was released uh, that year in October of '93. This came out when did this come out in July? So this came out a couple months before their second album came out i you know if you were a big pearl jam fan like I was back in the day, you were pretty much hunting down any pearl jam song you could find any b side and um I remember hearing Crazy Mary and I think there I don't remember if there was a video or not, but I remember it falling sort of into the same vibe as like yellow better and black those sorts of pearl jam songs at the time so mm-hmm. it it kind of made sense to me that uh they did that song but i wasn't familiar with victoria williams and i never really went and investigated any of her actual recordings i still haven't so let's talk about their actual recordings and the records and what we think of the songs jay i thought we'd do this a little bit differently since i usually just throw it to you and you talk for god knows how long and then i talk for god knows (laughs) how long the show right i thought what if we just what if we went song by song together okay talked about each song a little different. Let's so the it. first song on the record is Soul Asylum, and it's Summer of Drugs. And I did want to mention that Eric Grubbs chimed in in our Facebook feedback, and he said Soul Asylum still plays Summer of Drugs live. Uh, that's I can't confirm that because I've only seen Soul Asylum once, and they played a Halloween show where they did like all covers. So I can neither confirm nor deny that. But he said this album seems to get... Buried in the rubble. Then again, a lot of compilations from this era are. So uh, that was his point. But summer drugs, Asylum. Jay. What's your? What do you think of this song?
0: It fits them well. I think they do a good job with this. I think it. Um, it sounds like it could be one of their songs. Um, his voice works really well here. Uh, probably the most tasteful use of piano on the record. I love love the songwriting. Um, You hear it on this song and you hear it on a lot of the other songs in that there's a lot of twists and turns. Um, I don't think there's any complicated chord structures going on here or anything like that, but there's a lot of really interesting kind of builds and changes, and this song is a great example of that.
1: Yeah, this is the best Soul Asylum song they didn't write. Like, This sounds like a, a Soul Asylum song, from mm. the uh, classic, I guess, era of Soul Asylum before the misery and the, the pop singles happened. This to me, like, it's Perner at his, like, absolute, you know, perfect moment in terms of his. He likes wordplay in a lot of the Soul Asylum stuff, and this song has wordplay in it. Um, it's got a bluesy, sort of stonesy feel to it. Mm. Which Solosom didn't yeah. really investigate, but works well for them. They do Definitely, it well, yeah. So I think that that was a, that's a winner. That's a great start off starting point for this record. Track two is Lucinda Williams' um, "Main Road." What you take on that?
0: It it goes well with the Solosom song. I think um, they do a surprisingly good job of sequencing this record. It's not it's not easy to sequence. Um, Cover records, but uh, they do a pretty good job here. So this pairs up pretty nice with the Soul Simon song in terms of overall feel. Um, <clears throat> I'm not a huge fan of the vocal, but uh, I do like the slide guitar mm-hmm. um, that's played in this. It's it's really really tasty, um, very very cool in that um, it makes up a big part of the song. It's you know sometimes slide is kind of a compliment. Uh, piece where you're playing leads or it's more of like a texture but this is uh the the slide part and this is, is kind of driving the whole thing and it's some pretty good good uh, good playing so I like it I don't like it as much as the solo time song but it's still pretty decent
1: it's one of those songs where I won't skip it if it's I'm just playing it but I don't think I would pick it out yeah. um, I, I do like Lucinda Williams voice. It's distinct, and I think that you know it's it's in her wheelhouse. This song, so um, I like it a lot. And we already sort of touched on the Pearl Jam song earlier, uh, which is Crazy Mary. Um, shows off, I believe that's Mike McCready playing the the lead guitar parts in that song. The thing that I I like about it is the addition of the organ. Um, and the I believe it's Victoria Williams actually doing the little bit of uh, female vocal that appears in the choruses. Oh, okay. But I can't confirm that. But I'm pretty sure it is. I, the thing that I really liked about this song is, and going back listening to it, is there's a wittiness and a real, like, I don't know, storyteller aspect to her songwriting that's intriguing I love the part where she says... Uh, where the, the lyric is... Um, there's a sign that says, no L-O-I-T-E-R-I-N-G allowed. And that always attracts such a crowd. Or something like that. But that's... Yeah. And there's like a pause in between those. It's almost like a comedic pause. Like, mm-hmm. you know that she's setting this up um, to sort of twist, make a twist in, on, on the what she just d- uh, delivered to you. So mm-hmm. it's different in that respect. And, and obviously... I think Eddie Vedder approached it from a different standpoint as well. He's not growling or, you know, doing his Eddie Vedderisms. He's actually singing a bit higher and a bit playful, uh, especially in the choruses.
0: He's still pretty yarly. This is when he's still, you can tell it's closer to the first record because he Mm -hmm. still gets a little bit into the, Yeah, but he gets (laughs)
1: into the choruses, he's he's like, Take the bottle, take it down. Yeah. He's he's actually you know being a little, having a little fun with it, which is nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, and there's some good, uh, memorable, lines. There's some memorable melodies. Um, there are some great pauses, as you mentioned, that give it some drama and um, add to the overall motion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the longest song on the record. Yeah. Um, but I think there's enough changes in it that it never feels long um which i think is key when -hmm. when you're writing songs that are seemingly simple but um it's really about the the lyrics the melody and the um kind of the journey the story that it tells i think it does a pretty good job of that and i think this is fairly close to the original like i think it was the same kind of approach with like the clean guitar and minimal drums and uh you know all about the vocal Mm -hmm. which was cool too
1: Buffalo Tom, merry-go-round. Uh, if you had told me this was a Buffalo Tom song, I would have just believed you. I mean, it has yeah. that vibe. So I like that they're able to sort of integrate it into their, you know, their sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, don't, I don't, like, it's completely fine. It's, you know, like I said, it's a very Buffalo Tom sounding track, so.
0: Yeah, it's probably got the most attitude on the record. You know, it, this is an artist that... Um... You know, some of these songs get so pretty and so perfect that it kind of loses something. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a nice spot in the record where this has got the most, you know, kind of attitude, the most snarl to it, the most. It's probably the, one of the looser songs. It sounds to me <laughs> like a mix between Superchunk and Replacements. When I listen to the original song, the original sounds nothing like this. So it's, I, they pretty much reinvented this, I think, to fit what they do.
1: Interesting. Um, yeah
0: so it, it's a good tune for them again you know like uh the soul asylum song it, it sounds like them so it makes sense
1: michael penn weeds i actually like this song quite a bit um yeah. it's a bit repetitive but there's a i don't know the way that he handles it, it it's like stuck with me and it has like a cool groove to it and um i don't know what did you think
0: yeah, you can tell it's a studio song. Um, I think that's probably the way that he writes most of his records. Um, and that, you know, there's, a, there's patterns, you know, things are layered. Um, he's using a lot of Mellotron, which is what all those really quirky, odd-sounding, you know, vocals are. Which is, which is how I'm always, in, you know, it's an instrument I like. And, um, you know, John, it's an instrument John Bryan uses a lot. And, mm-hmm. um just sounds interesting it gives everything a kind of a weird dark kind of tinge to it but it's still kind of pretty uh you know it it actually makes me want it's funny it's a song like this doesn't make me want to necessarily dig into victoria williams but it does make me want to dig into michael penn a little bit more I think there's some vocals in this that I, I haven't listened to the original song, but there's some vocals in this that like the weed, the way that he does the weeds line. I can't imagine too many other people being able to pull off on this record. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just his personality coming across in it or if the original is like that, I need to reference it, but it's, you know, it's, it, there's aspects to it that are uniquely fit him, which is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Seems like he did a good job picking the right song, you know?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Speaking of picking the right song, Shudder to Think, well, there was a curveball. I was not expecting Shudder to Think to throw up, or throw up, to show up on this Bang. record. Um, and they they do the track Animal Wild, and it sounds like Shudder to Think. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> yeah, how that's possible. Just, so, I don't know yeah. how Shudder to Think shows up and is like, yep, we own this song now. Yeah. Uh, but I don't even know what to say other than it sounds like Shudder to Think, which makes me happy. because It made me want to go back and listen to Pony Express record immediately when i when i heard them doing this
0: yeah in in the that that record had a cover on it too
1: right yes
0: and i really like when they do covers because um they're they they seem uh, that song and this song seem to have a just a little bit more melody than their own material does just a little touch more i don't know um conventional something glued to it I mean, it still has all the weird shadow sort of thing stuff going on with the vocal and just the, you know, the structure and the dynamics and everything. But there's just enough thread of a traditional song when they do a cover that it kind of uh, it works really well for me on them. They 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 do covers really well, and it's a good song. Could have yeah. totally been on. Could have could totally be on one of their records.
1: So this is where we <clears> head <throat> into what I'm calling um, the. I didn't enjoy it as much territory. And mm-hmm. that's uh, Lou Reed doing Tarbelly and Featherfoot. I have to preface this by saying I'm not exactly the biggest Lou Reed fan. Um, I understand that he's important and you know, recently passed away. And I obviously have a huge amount of respect for his contributions, both as a member of the Velvet Underground and Solo. However, I'm not one to bust out a Lou Reed record. So yeah. him right in the middle of this thing... Wasn't really thrilled about it. Um I'm not a fan of his style in terms of his vocal delivery on a lot on, in in the way that it's presented in this song. And um yeah, this was a skip one for me.
0: Yeah, not a huge Luria fan either. I think what makes it tougher is that uh it's not necessarily his vocal that bothers me on this. It's the sound of the song or the guitar sound is really not good or weird. It's cheap. It's It's cheap sounding. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds very cheap. Sounds very distant. I don't know if that's on purpose because he has kind of a low register voice and they try to make the guitars, you know, higher pitched and Michael weird to make his voice stand out. I I don't know what's going on, but it is not a what I would consider a great sounding song from a production standpoint. So, um, it's not a total skipper for me just because I think the quality of the song almost saves it for me. Uh um but it's definitely not on my favorite list for the record
1: how about maria mckee doing uh opal oasis i don't know if that's how you say it (laughs) a parenthesis sweet relief is that on your skip or your keep
0: it it's one of the it's um probably the best example of it's it's a little too clean for me yeah you know the drum because kicks in when it kicks in the drums sound great but it you think it's going to be kind of like the Soul Asylum song, but it's actually got a really chintzy sounding piano, and the vocal was so clean and nice that it's like there's something... It just doesn't have an edge to it. It kind of yeah. sounds like bland, bland country or something.
1: Yeah, I liked it the first time I heard it, and then in each successive time, I liked it less and less, because it sounded so clean in comparison to some of the other stuff that's on here, where people got a little rough with the songs, and kind of made them their own. I didn't feel like this was as particularly as interesting as some of the other stuff. One of the songs I do think is interesting is the Matthew Sweet song. Um, he does a lot of work on this song in terms of there's a lot of textures. I think there's like backwards guitar in this song. Great melodies for him to, to dig into. You know, he's a master of pop and power pop songwriting. So for him to be able to like layer a lot of vocals and... Do a lot of things there um this is a really good not only song on this record but a really good matthew sweet track
0: i agree uh the background vocals uh if you told me it was the jayhawks i would have totally believe you i mean the harmony sound exactly like them mm-hmm. it's also it's one of the f- couple songs in here that doesn't have the dynamic shifts and turns and twists that's that the majority of the record has mm-hmm. um which i enjoy uh, it, the contrast was nice. Um, it's a pretty straightforward, straightforward song. I think he's he's doing some, doing a layering in there. I think there's some banjo or mandolin. Yeah. There's there's a backwards violin like you mentioned or guitar or something. It's just a lot of really interesting sounds, but it all just it kind of melts together and glues together into this just really pretty song. works for him really well. Yeah. No, I think it's uh it's probably my favorite song on
1: the record. Interesting. Well Evan Dando's an ex and he does Frying Pan. Um, I'm a fan of pretty much anytime Evan Dando decides he wants to just sit down with an acoustic guitar. Sometimes I feel like his band tracks get a little overdone and he gets kinda buried in them. So anytime I can hear him in just an acoustic guitar, I think he's just got such a great voice. Yeah. You know, I'm all for that. So I like this track a lot.
0: Yeah, I'm not that familiar. Obviously, I know some Lemonhead songs, but I'm not that familiar with this side of him. Um, I do, I agree, I like it. Um, And I think it's a smart choice with this material. I think this material in general works well if you've got a decent voice and you can play acoustic guitar. You know, I think that's one option um, that you can take with this stuff and be pretty... I think you're going to come out the other side. Look, sound pretty good, um, as opposed to the Maria McKee song, which it's just too. It's just the, the approach is too standard. You know, it's just a band. I think unless you're going to do something really off the wall like Michael Penn or even Shutter the Think, you're probably better off doing what he does and just strip it down and playing it on an acoustic guitar. And uh, right, you know, he delivers it well
1: because
0: mm-hmm. the song again. You know, I mean, all these songs tell stories and it's very much about the lyrics. So that kind of approach it just it works well for that
1: next track uh is the jayhawks doing lights sounds like the jayhawks to me i gotta say yeah. like this this is straight off of like hollywood town hall or tomorrow with the green grass i mean it sounds like that era of the jayhawks the harmonies are there gary loris's guitar part is there so i, I love listening to that the stuff that they did from that era and, and include and the stuff that you know we covered on the sound of lies episode um after mark olson left the band i still enjoy that era too but um this sort of classic era for them i mean they just they just know how to find that groove that tempo where they can kind of ride it and carry do, do those two-part harmonies and have that you know kind of slightly distorted he's got his sg working yeah it just it sounds good and Maybe want to... And this is another one where I always like, man, I gotta go listen to Hollywood Town Hall again because that's such a good record.
0: Who's on the lead vocal on this?
1: It's Mark Olson doing the lead.
0: Uh, I don't like that. Does he sing on that, that album a lot?
1: Well, they do... Mostly they do stuff together. Um, they'll take yeah. some songs here or there by themselves, but they're always... When they get into a chorus, they're always doubling each other up.
0: Yeah. I just don't remember him. I mean, I think I like the albums he's not on better, but... <laughs> That's what yeah. I have to ask you. That kind of threw me when the song started. I was expecting your Gary Lewis, and I was like, "Well, what? Who's singing? What's going on?" And then when they got to the, um, they sort of build the second vocal in, and then they get to the chorus, like, "Okay, now it's the Jayhawks." It's not. It's it's fine. It, I was expecting a little bit more, to be honest with you. It's almost. It was almost too predictable. Um, I think some of these others, for one reason or another, they were a surprise. Either like, oh, didn't expect the ban- band to be on here, or oh, they pulled that off for it. You know, that kind of thing where this one was right. like, yeah, that's pretty much what I would expect from them to do on a song like this. And it's not a skipper, but I wasn't as, you know, into it as I thought I might be, considering how much I like that band.
1: Well, how into you? How into uh, the Water Boys? Why look at the moon? Were you?
0: <laughs> and, oh my God. This sounds like it uh, was taken off the Little Mermaid soundtrack. <laughs> this is awful. I hate. I, I hated that. I, I don't know yeah. what's going on. I don't know anything about this band, but it's just like, yeah, it just it sounds like a, just a bad mix of like reggae and. Yeah.
1: It's I
0: don't even awful. know. I don't yeah. even know. I don't describe it.
1: It may. It's like, actually. I've heard the water boy's name but i never want to listen to anything they do based on that song <laughs> it,
0: i think the reason i said disney is because it's like you take a bunch of like somewhat like world sounding types of influences and you mix them all together into one song so it's completely nondescript and non-defensive but still you know exotic sounding that, that's just what you're at you end up yep. with so uh
1: giant sand big fish i don't know you go first on this one Kind of had the same feeling as I did with the waterboy song yeah. i don't I don't really care for it the ba- the back end of the album after the Jayhawks I kind of start to lose my interest and I'll be completely f- honest um, and I feel like they they got these contributions from these bands and were like, eh, we'll put this towards the end. we don't want to put these up front
0: <laughs> yeah it does feel like that it they, they sound like the evil b fifty twos or something it starts <laughs> off like a country shuffle and then it gets all like b fifty two jazz. It's just I don't
1: know. Yeah, I when I started know. out, it's I was like, okay, well, this is interesting, and then it just goes in a direction that I did not care for at all. Um, and actually, I, I, I'll take that back. I, the Michelle Shock song, Holy Spirit. I understand it gets you know it gets a little gospely with uh, and it was funny because the beat came in and it made me realize that okay, this is a gospel beat at the end of the song, but it also is the beat for like lust for life. By EE Pop. So I, I actually didn't terribly mind. I sort of put it in the same camp as uh, the Maria McKee song in that it's, it you know, it serves its purpose. It's not terrible, but I just don't necessarily need to hear it again.
0: Yeah, it's just, yeah, for me, it's like you said, it's um like that Maria, Maria McKee song, it's just a little too straightforward and almost expected. I don't know. I like a little twist or a turn, or I like to, or, a a slight reinterpretation in some way or another, and I don't get the sense that that that's going on here.
1: So overall, Jay, we've got, we've gone through each of the songs. First time we've done that with one with an album in quite a long time since we've probably done a, an interview with an artist. Uh, where are you at with an overall rating? Are you at a worthy album, better EP, or decent single?
0: I'm at eight songs. I could I could live with the Lou reading the Maria McKee song, but the other four. So that gets me to 10. So I, I guess it's a... I'll give it a worthy album. You know, the other four... Eh, whatever.
1: I'm at nine, so I'm, I'm going to give it a worthy album. I'm, I'm not taking Lou Reed. Sorry, Lou. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're so
1: mean. I just don't what? like Lou Reed. I don't like Bob Dylan either. So I'm clearly like some wacko no, who I hates the core of... <laughs> Of modern music, we'd probably two, just
0: lost all of our credibility. What, two of the biggest
1: we... pillars of might as well say that we hate <laughs> Bruce Springsteen and and uh Elvis Presley and just call it a day.
0: Did you see those creepy pictures of the uh the that some studio did uh, that show what um famous rock stars would look like if they were still alive? So they did like Elvis and Bob Marley and Jim no. Morrison. You got to look it up. It's pretty funny. John Lennon. Some of them are like, just look bizarre. Oh. Uh, And then other ones, like the Jimi Hendrix one, you're like, whoa. But then there's others like the John Lennon where you're like, oh, yeah, that's probably what he would look like. That's really creepy. (laughs) The Jim Morrison, it's ridiculous. You're like, there's no way. When you look at it, you realize like this guy could not have ever Lived to make it to this point because this, this could have never happened, right? This looks ridiculous.
1: So I want to mention two things. One, this album's on Spotify, but it's missing two songs on Spotify: the Jayhawk song and the Michelle Shock song. So, but I, you know, go check it out on Spotify. Second thing: the Sweet Relief Two, which was for Vic Chestnut. This is these are the artists that were on this one: um, Garbage, REM, Nancy Griffith with Hootie and the Blowfish, Soul um. Asylum. Dog's Eye View, Live, Smashing Pumpkins with Red, Red Meat, Sparkle Horse. Now, here's your here's your uh, duet of the century. Madonna and Joe Henry. Who's Kristen Joe Hirsch. Henry. Joe Henry had an album called Trampoline, which is actually not pretty, not bad. came out in the mid-'90s. Okay. And he's, he's been a mov- um, music producer as well. Okay. Uh, Kristen Hirsch, Cracker, Indigo Girls. Vic Chestnut and Victoria Williams do a song together. And then uh, Mary Margaret O'Hara, who I have no idea who that is. Mm. Um,
0: Whose Dogs I View? Why does that sound familiar?
1: Everything Falls Apart was the name of their single.
0: What year did that album come out? I mean, the, the second.
1: Two, that came out in 1996. And then there, I believe, was a third one, which came out this September. It's called Sweet Relief pennies from heaven um and it's features on it uh joseph arthur jackson brown ben harper ricky lee jones katie lang shelby lynn sam phillips ron sexsmith she and him victoria williams um and it's to it's not for a particular artist it's just to to for money for the fund for the sweet relief fund
0: i just uh, fired up dog's eye view and do you remember that song? That question.
1: Everything falls apart. Oh, I do.
0: That was a dark yeah. period for music. I think. That
1: was in like the Breakfast at Tiffany's, you know, uh, <laughs> deep yeah. Blue something era.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, Eagle-eyed Cherry saved that? tonight. What caused yeah. all that
1: music? Um, that, like, dudes counting, in dorm rooms crows? Crows playing acoustic guitar, learning uh, oh. Counting Crows songs, and then trying to get laid.
0: That's but well, was Counting Crows the first band that kind of got hit in that direction? Yeah, kinda I think, think so. Oh,
1: blind melon, as well. Oh, so awful. So that's it. That's our uh, review of Sweet Relief, a tribute to Victoria Williams. That's our tribute record for this year. That's um, our our one two three punch of soundtrack, tribute album, and benefit album. So uh, next year we're hoping to do like a rarities compilation. Uh, Or perhaps I don't know something along those lines. There's more compilation types of compilations to tackle in the uh, in the future. Or you know sometimes record labels put out those sampler compilations, like all the artists that they have on their record and do a a rare song.
0: Yeah, that's what we have to do yet.
1: Yeah. So that'll be that'll be our yes, exactly. Like we'll do that uh, 2014. That'll be one of our compilation lists and you'll be able to vote for that at facebook uh on our facebook page and then of course I want to remind everybody for the month of december if you leave us positive feedback on our itunes page um we're going to pick one of you and we are going to choose one and provide a free listener review uh in in the 2014 season So in the month of December, starting December 1st, leave us some positive feedback. We'll pick somebody, and we will uh, allow you to pick a record for us. For Jay, I'm Tim. That's a wrap. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.
0: Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages.